0: Many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away, we began a little radio segment called Left, Right, and Center. And on the first edition of that program, we invited two gentlemen to join us who uh, were both outspoken in their political views, both both very articulate and who over the ensuing years uh, uh, came to be very popular on the program. As time went by and they got busy doing other things, we expanded our roster of individuals who join us, and we still do that. We have a variety of people. But there's nothing quite like having the originals back together again. We've got them today, albeit not in the same studio. Bob Metz is in the studio with me. Jeff Schlemmer is on the telephone. Good morning to both of you. Hi,
1: Jim.
0: Is Jeff there? Jeff is there. I am here. Hi. There you are. Hi. <laughs> I forgot to push the button. Ah. Actually, I'm not, to tell you the truth, I didn't forget. I'm not allowed to push the button. <laughs> so I just, I had to wait till Ryan pushed the button because they don't allow me to do that. <laughs> uh, welcome to both of you. Here's one here's I want to ask you about this morning. Uh, and it fits into a whole lot of things we've been talking about. I want to ask both of you about lying politicians. And w- where I want to go with this is, is we live in a society where um, lying is generally frowned upon. If you lie to your parents, you'll get in trouble. If you lie to the teacher, you'll get in trouble. If you lie to the cops, you'll get in trouble. If you lie to your bank manager, you'll get in trouble. If you lie to your boss, you'll get in trouble. If you lie to your kids, it'll come back to haunt you. But politicians can lie and do lie to us with impunity. We actually expect them to lie. When there's a campaign, an election campaign, we sort of, you know, in a perverse sort of way, we almost delight in who can tell the biggest whopper. Because we know that they don't mean what they're telling us. We know they're not going to do what they said. Even Mike Harris, who has been lauded for keeping his promises, and a lot of people who are not Tories by any stretch of the imagination, will will say, well, you know, the thing I do like about Mike is that he kept his promises. Well, in fact, no, he didn't. There are a whole lot of promises he made that he didn't keep. Uh, So it's become so pervasive and seems to permeate our society so much. It got me wondering, this and and we're we're seeing it at City Hall, you know, similar stuff going on up there oh, yeah, we're going to do this and do that and do this and do that, and then it doesn't get done. Oh, we can't do it. Sorry. Uh, You know, we're not allowed to, or the lawyers, blah, blah, whatever. I wanted to ask both you guys this morning, not how we got here. We know how we got here. But is there anything, is there anything we can do to remove sort of the public's complacency about this,
2: do do we know how we got here? Well, what's your what's your assessment of that? That t- that seems to me to be the whole issue. How how did we get here?
0: Maybe you're right. Jeff let me ask you that question. How did we get here?
1: Um, well, I imagine we've probably always been here and I think that what it is is that uh somebody at some point discovered that uh by framing things in a certain way, by saying things in a certain way, you can have people take a certain view, and uh, I was talking with this, about this last night, coincidentally, with somebody about how, with a lot of issues, if people haven't, haven't got an opinion, they haven't really thought about it, so much depends on what they first hear, sort of which side they first hear, and the way it's framed, yeah. and uh, if something is characterized, for instance, in my area around social uh, poverty stuff, if you characterize it as, here's another place the government is, is spending our tax dollars, you know, to do this, or I thing for the poor, it's like the people, their, their bells go off immediately, and say, oh, spending tax money, that's bad, and uh, on the other hand, if you can get them on a thing like, uh, you know, here's a little girl who's uh, got these problems and nobody's helping her and all yeah. that stuff, then it's, they have a totally different orientation. It's the same story, but from a different perspective. And uh, once they've got that initial impression, I think it's hard to change their mind because... If you start to say, "Well, you're, you know, you're not right in this opinion that you have, and here's all the reasons," there's an implicit criticism of them, saying uh, you must not be very smart if that's what you think. So then it becomes wrapped in their own sense of uh, of sort of self-worth that they have to defend that position that they've taken, uh, and it takes off from there. But so much depends on again the way they hear the story the first go round.
0: Bob, what do you think? How do we get here? Is it
1: it just about, you know, if you you get
0: there fustus with the mostest, as General Sherman said?
2: (laughs) Speaking of framing the issues, you you did that at the beginning of the show when you you used the phrase lying politicians. As soon as I hear that phrase, I think, well, in opposition to what? Truth-telling politicians? Because, you know, if you talk to the average guy in the public, he'll tell you the lying politicians get elected. Mm-hmm. The truth-telling politicians never get elected. And that is basically and fundamentally true, because how we got here is by misusing our governments, by, by thinking that our governments are there to give us things and to distribute wealth. Once you've accepted that premise, the rest just follows. You cannot have an honest government that's doing dishonest things that, are, that would be morally wrong for you and me. The, 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 the convention center, the, the, the galleries downtown, all those things that are funded by tax dollars are morally illegitimate. And to defend them, one must adopt a morally illegitimate argument. And you now gotta, why do you and say
0: they're morally illegitimate?
2: Because you and I couldn't do that. I couldn't go to my neighbor and put a gun to his head and say, hand over your money or lose your house because I'm building a library. That, that's, that violates fundamental individual rights. It violates the right to your earnings. It violates your property rights. It violates everything. And yet we do it routinely to the point where governments combined today. Uh, you know, they, they absorb more than half of what we have. They want to keep that system going. You can't keep that system going and be telling people the truth. Come on. And yet, it, you know, there's... The whole system is based on a lie. Yeah,
0: but the, the difference between... Uh, in this context, it seems to me, there's a, there's, a, there's a very clear difference between political lying and the truth. Uh, political lying that is disguised as the truth is one thing but we have politicians who lie bald-faced to us. Th- we know they're lying. They know we know they're lying and they do it anyway. That seems to me a little different thing. It's not a lie disguised as the truth. Well,
2: it, that's how bad it gets once people accept the other lies to, to justify the things that, that that they may in their mind see as a good thing I mean, some of the things government spends money on are good things. Who can argue with health care? Mm-hmm. Who can argue with education? But you cannot fund a system by robbing Peter to pay Paul and expect to have moral people running that. It's but not going to work that way.
0: Jeff, if we look back, for example, 19, uh, 1993, what, during the election campaign, when the Prime Minister said he was going to rescind the GST, no thinking Canadian believed that. His own, his, his, the three people who ran here in London, and I've made this point before, Fontana, Barnes, and, and O'Brien, t- To that, I, I put that direct question to all three of them, and they said, no, nah, it's not going to happen. And yet the Prime Minister told everybody it was going to happen. We knew it wasn't going to happen. His own people knew it wasn't going to happen. And afterwards, when they're talking and analyzing elections, say, what was one of the key elements there? He was going to take back the, he was going to cancel the GST, that's why I voted
1: for him. Well, a lot of it, I think, is, the, you know, the average person doesn't really pay a lot of attention to all this stuff, and, and that's not necessarily a criticism in the sense that they've got lives to live, and, uh, you know, what do we have about half the people that don't bother to vote? Uh, you know, I, I look at, uh, sort of, the average person, and sort of, you know, they sort of skim a newspaper, they see some headlines, uh, they sort of hear something from somebody else, but they're really not paying close attention, and that's, that's why I think uh, the. Spin doctoring and the public relations is so effective. And you look at the United States now, and the cost of getting elected to Congress it's several million dollars of money that's going into advertising and public relations and spin doctoring. Uh, it, it seems to work pretty big time. And again, if people were paying close attention, then they wouldn't buy it. You know, they wouldn't when would, would a spin doctor
0: and, and yet, uh, to use an example here, and again, I'm not picking on the prime minister, but he is the prime minister now, and is sort of at the center of all of this. You've got you've got all these scandals in Ottawa. You have the obvious obvious mistakes that made, not, you know, canceling the helicopters and a variety of other things that everybody should know about now, um, all of the, you know, the questions about the corruption and all of this, it's all over the newspapers, it's all over the media, it's everywhere, they do a, you know, a, a poll the other day, what about, the, what do you think of the Prime Minister, and 40% of the people polled still said, well, yeah, we want him to be the Prime Minister. How do we make any sense out of that?
2: <laughs> well, well I, I think it's more a matter of the choices they feel they <laughs> have before them. um, you know, it comes down to three bad choices, and they pick the lesser of three evils. That's basically how people vote. Voting is an, a, a process of voting against something, not so much as voting for something. Yeah, they that's the that, yeah. Well, that's how it's structured. That's what it's supposed to be. That's mm. how democracy is based.
1: Although that's, in some respects, the flip side of this that, that concerns me, and that is that in government, uh, if you make a mistake, it's a big deal. You know, and uh, in business, if you make a mistake, it's often not a big deal. that sort of recognized that you can't sort of build a, uh, a successful enterprise without taking calculated risks and so on, and I remember uh, a book, I think it's Search of Excellence or something, a management book, uh, where they talk about the need to to take risks. Same in in military campaigns, obviously. But as a politician, if you take a risk and it doesn't pan out, then you're flayed and you're pilloried. Well, that's uh,
2: because you're taking a risk with somebody else's money. In business, people take a risk with their own
1: money, and that comes
2: down to the whole pillage thing again. generals
1: are doing the same thing in wars. But fundamentally, I think part of the problem is that because we make it so hard for somebody to come out and say, geez, I screwed up, you know, the helicopter thing turns out the the one-on-ones or whatever the way to go you know we make it so hard for him to say that that he ends up with all this squishy words and, uh, and stuff going around that we sort of ask for it but you used
0: an interesting phrase when you talk about calculated risk you know it seems to me that one of the concerns that that i have with politicians is that they take uncalculated risks they take they take risks and they move in directions where they really haven't that's because the they don't have to earn
2: their money. There's no Some calculations do. involved. If I sit down and I'm and I have a a license to take money out of your pocket, that's the last calculation I'm <laughs> going to worry about. That's the, what they actually taught taught in in auditing and C G A courses. They teach you that governments spend money first and then they divide it out amongst the people. That's the only calculation. Any business that ran that way would be bankrupt tomorrow.
1: Well, the other way that it that plays out is that, and I see this with the stuff in Quebec right now, the uh, the scandals around uh, hi- half a million dollars for a report that they can't and so on is that uh, the inevitable knee-jerk reaction to that is that the next thing you know is that everything is just tied up 55 ways from Sunday with red tape and you can't get anything done. And and I see that all the time in my work where, uh, you know, in, uh, in areas where uh, any poverty stuff, for instance, if you want to try and get some money to, uh, for instance, build some low-income housing, the paperwork now is just unbelievable. And, and again, you look at business and think business... Well, you're talking about seconds.
2: getting money from government, eh, Jeff?
1: Well, again... I should. I,
2: sh- I would like there to be 2,000 times more paperwork. Sure. You know, that, that's the only protection I have against people grabbing my money.
1: Well, again, they're, they're grabbing your money to do the paperwork and fill out tons and tons of forms that could file the way in a basement somewhere. And again, if Walmart operated like that, you'd be paying three times as much for your products. Good point. So it's, it's, it flips well, one way and then it flips the other way. And uh, fundamentally, I think, there is this question about we, we need to give politicians the latitude to come out and say, look, I did my best, you know, I think I'm a smart person, I think I have competent people here, but this really didn't pan out, and we're going to go back and, and look at it and figure out where it went wrong and try and learn from that and so on, but we really don't allow politicians that latitude. If they don't do something they said they are going to do, like the GST, and it turns out maybe it just wasn't doable, they'll never hear the end of it. They uh, but
0: they way. have heard the end of it. It doesn't seem to be hurting anybody. The prime minister well, yeah. for eight or nine years uh, led the polls at record, record levels, record numbers, in spite of the fact that he told a bald-faced lie about the, one, of the, one of
1: the, if not the, major issue in the election.
2: And remember, the GFT is yeah, well, not the issue. It's the lie that's the issue.
1: Yeah, but again, what do you do about that? Again, if it's I don't perfect. know. If it turns out that it wasn't the right thing to do, do you go ahead and do it anyway just because he said he was going to do it? Yeah, but
0: did he, uh, did, uh, are you suggesting that he didn't know before the election that it wasn't the right thing to do? Well,
1: who knows? Well, I, uh, remember, I, more uh, people vote against John and than for
2: him, but we have a, a democratic system that says the largest minority wins. So that's, that's why he's in there.
0: Yeah, one last, tune, last time with, what, 41% mm-hmm. uh, of the popular vote? Which is
2: still considered high.
0: We do have to pause for a moment. We'll be back. Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz with us. The original and yet to be equaled on Left, Right, and Center. Stay with us.
1: This is Talk of the Town, where interesting people talk and London listens.
0: With us this morning on the telephone, he's on we don't even know where he is. He could be anywhere. He could be signing himself
1: in Toronto. Yeah, I'm looking out on the city hall right now. Really?
0: Big was, smoke, tell you. I was gonna, you know, say he could be in Hawaii or give you give you the benefit of the doubt <laughs> there, some some exotic locale. I heard it
1: was raining there. Is it? In Toronto? Yeah. It's pretty gray. Yeah? Yeah, it's not a place you want to be. You want to be in London.
0: I don't want (laughs) to be in Toronto at the best of times. (laughs) uh, Josh Summer with us on the phone in Toronto. Bob Metz with us in the studio today on Left, Right, and Center. We're talking about lying politicians. And as Bob said earlier, well, what's the alternative? Truth-telling politicians? I had a a very prominent local politician tell me one day, because I went on the air and said, you know what I want to hear I want to hear a politician tell me the truth. Even if I don't like it, I'm going to vote for that guy. I want a guy to tell me the truth about what's going on. And this fellow phoned me and said, you know, if I told you the truth, you wouldn't vote for me, and neither would anybody else. Can't get elected telling the truth because people don't want to hear the
1: truth. Well, what is Churchill's line about that. He said the truth is uh, so precious that it has to be guarded by a bodyguard of lies.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. he certainly told a lot of bad news in his days, but he sure covered up a lot too.
0: Yeah, no, it's very, it's very true. But we're not. Tec- I'm not talking necessarily about bad news. I'm just talking about things in general. And I come you know, back, come back to where we started. Come back where we started. Our whole society, in our whole society, lying is looked upon as being a negative thing, virtually our whole society. I mean, there's no place where we, where we look at the situation and say, oh, lying is good, unless it's perhaps those little white lies to, you know, save people, hurting people's feelings and that sort of thing. But other than that, lies, you know, de- deliberate deceit is taken to be a very negative social characteristic. Well, I
2: would say a lie that harms someone.
0: Okay, uh, and I'll go along with that. Um, Taken to be a negative characteristic right throughout our, our, our society. Our kids are raised not to do that. We know We're encouraged not to do that. And yet, again, at every election, there are politicians who stand up and look you right straight in the eye and tell you a lie. And you know they're lying. And they know you're, you know they're lying, and they do it anyway, and we let them get away with it. And yeah. I'm still perplexed by that.
1: Well, the other thing is, too, that this, they pay a lot of people a lot of money to figure out how to say things without saying anything as well. You know, that you see the average press release, and, and if you read it and you're familiar with the subject matter, you really would have no idea that the one relates to the other. The, the lie that I like, though, you know, going back through the, the years, is uh, how did the kings in the old days persuade people that they were ruling by divine Right. Which would spin doctor come up with that one?
2: The same way they do today, by force. You know, oh, you don't geez. agree with them, you get a sword through the heart. <laughs> but, but, you know, you made, you made a very interesting uh, comment earlier, Jeff, that I tend to agree with, and I think it's part of the answer that cool. we're looking for here, and that's that implicit cri- criticism that people find in themselves. You know, th- you said it starts with an, uh, an initial impression, but people don't like to, be- to discover that they've been wrong, about, particularly about right. politics or their fundamental beliefs. I know I went through that process. I mean, Mm. if you can ever believe it, I used to be a liberal. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Um, But I went through that process, and I know that it's not an easy one because you have to not just get at the peripheral stuff, you've got to get down at the fundamental stuff and really re-question basic premises. But like why, why like a major one, what is the purpose of government? But you know, why that should that be so hard? Why,
0: why, have we, why do we create generation after generation of individuals who feel that, that it's somehow uh, an attack on them if someone disagrees with them, and if, and if
2: they acknowledge Follow that, the money. We've, we've woven ourselves an incredible network of welfare and UIC programs, and everybody's on, on the receiving end of some kind of benefit from government. And everybody who receives a benefit falsely believes that they're getting more from the government than they have to no, put but in. I mean, you in, know?
0: A, in an even broader sense, if we've got, we look at, you know, uh, oh, how do I put this? We, we, we teach our kids a whole lot of things, but maybe we don't teach them that it's okay to say, gee, I was wrong.
2: No, I well, I don't think we were wrong when we taught them, thou shalt not steal. I think we were wrong when we said, thou shalt not steal unless a democratic majority agrees. Yeah,
0: but you, were, no, you raised the issue at a more fundamental level, though, about, about people being having their their their, their 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 beliefs attacked, and that we do get personal and we get mm-hmm. defensive, and it's attack on us as in- individuals. Why aren't we doing more to teach our kids that it doesn't have to be there that way? If you if somebody can show you that the error of your ways, why wouldn't you celebrate that? Why wouldn't you invite people? Show me where I'm wrong. I mean, I do it in the air all the time. Show tell me where i'm wrong tell me where i'm wrong to me that's the, that's the exciting part of the sort of social discourse well i
2: wouldn't say that that our education system is particularly emphasizing what i would call rationality i think they just Throw facts at kids and teach them subjects out of context. No, but
1: parents too. We, we, I think uh, here's here's my little pop psychology thing. I think that ultimately people lack the confidence to come out and say they're wrong about something. They're afraid that if they say they're wrong, that they're afraid people will think less of them.
2: Not only that, they think they're still wrong. They think the new choice they make might uh, might also be wrong. because they don't trust themselves. Well,
1: the other thing too, I, you know, I occasionally go to bed thinking, you know, this whole world depends on George Bush being sane tomorrow morning yeah. and not blowing up the world. You know, these guys who are who are say <laughs> have the the culture of of needing to, if not lie about everything at least sort of not tell us sort of the reality for most things, for whatever reason, they also can wipe us out in a second as we put them in there uh,
2: well now you 're talking about what military secrets I think that 's a different kind of line no i 've been right? saying
1: that uh, you know uh, these people go go to work every day and they have press releases, and the press releases normally don 't really tell us what 's going on about all the issues uh, and again, not only do we vote for them, but we give them power to 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 take us out completely. Uh, I, I don't know where we go from that. I guess well,
2: I that doesn't make sense to me at
1: all. Well, fundamentally, I, what I'm saying, I guess... Who, who
2: do we give power to take us out? We, we vote for government to defend us, do we not? Isn't that the point?
1: Uh, well, if we loose off all the atom bombs uh, in the United States today, we're in big trouble. Well, we're <laughs> not the ones, ones doing, doing it, and doing they're not going to
2: bomb themselves, Jeff. That's going to be somebody else that does that. Yeah, and that, no, and they would do about that about whether the U.S. had atom bombs or not.
1: Yeah, we're talking about fundamentally whether politicians, for instance, uh, why do why do they lie, for starters? The question is, would we be any different if we, if we were in their shoes? Maybe we we wouldn't i don't know well that
0: is we, a sixty four dollar question if, isn't
1: it if we say we that they're different than us that somehow they're not as ethical as we are then we say not only do we let them you know sort of tax us and stuff like that but we also give them the keys to uh to you know yeah. the nuclear arsenal all that kind of stuff but that's
0: a good question if we, if we if we say that okay they're not as ethical by definition they're not as ethical as we are then why do we vote for them in the first place
2: because they say they're pragmatic which means i'm a liar well, because a pragmatist it. always just says what he has to say to get to his objective, regardless of what's between him and his objective. Or power and that, corrupt. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. why, and that's and absolutely true, that's why the l- power of government must be limited, and it cannot be allowed to take money from Peter and give it to Paul.
0: It's okay. so simple. Let's go to the phones where Dave's okay. waiting. Hi, Dave. Hi, guys. How,
3: how you are you doing? Good, thank great you. topic. Great topic. Thank you. I think the fundamental flaw is the system itself, because the goal of a politician is one thing and one thing only, and that is to get elected. Mm -hmm. And the truth just happens to be something that gets in the way. That's right. Uh, Because when they lie, um, what repercussions are there? If a lawyer tells you one thing and fails to do it, that could be fraud. Or if somebody says in a business deal, I'll do this with your money and get you 20 percent, I guarantee it. That's what I'm going to do. And then doesn't do it, and you've got that documented, boom, you consume but what type of repercussions is there to a government outside of getting thrown out in four years, which they then will obscure it with something else, and hopefully you'll forget, um, that's the major issue, uh, that you've got a flawed system. I mean, you look at that, how do you get elected?
2: Yeah, Governments are a way of avoiding accountability, not not getting accountability.
3: And, And as you were pointing out about money, and this becomes the other issue, the only way to get elected is to get money, and how do you get money is from lobbyists. And lobbyists then force people as politicians to support tobacco guns whatever it might be that probably isn't in the best welfare of society but hey if somebody put it this way if somebody gave if if, if bill gates wants me to be elected mayor of london i think i got a pretty good shot at it no matter yeah. what i have to say <laughs> you. you know and so therefore you just look at the system and it's about getting money and when it came back to the gst don't think that john krechian's people didn't sit back and say okay helicopters big issue gst it doesn't matter what we do and we if we and we screwed up on both we lied on the gst Screwed up on the helicopters.
2: Dave, you just brought up two examples: tobacco and guns. What What are you suggesting
3: the government should do about tobacco and guns? Well, I'm just saying, you know I'm not saying I have any great suggestion. It's just that they come out and say it's bad, but then they're happy to collect the tax money from uh-huh. it. The
1: mm-hmm. burden
3: on the health care system.
1: Yeah. And and so,
3: but the problem is you you'll never get it done. I mean, you look at what's going on with the, the tragedy of 911, and now it's all coming out about how the FAA lobbyists on behalf of the airlines, not to secure cockpit doors. This mm-hmm. is nothing new. But did the welfare of the people be protected? No, and isn't that what the government's supposed to do? Yes. Yeah. But it's where money comes in. And so it's a leaky boat because the system is fundamentally flawed. Ross Perot was never going to be elected in the United States. Why? Because he didn't owe anybody anything. He'd be too dangerous.
0: Dave, appreciate your call. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Interesting story in the, uh, in the, in the Post today about, uh, and let's like find out what you guys think about this. This is not exactly the same issue, but I think it's related. Uh, A a fancy dinner for Brian Tobin. The price of admission, $75,000 from uh, seafood executives um, (laughs) uh, to contribute supposedly to his leadership campaign. Now, does that trouble either of you? I know it troubles Bob. Does it trouble you, Jeff?
1: Yeah, it does, big time. And, and again, I think that uh, often we look to the United States as a model of where we're going, and uh, and that's where we're going, is uh, is getting these big money things in. And I look at the liberal dinners that we have, and uh, locally we even have them, the, the $500 plate mm-hmm. dinners and so on, and uh, it, it concerns me a lot. I just well, think it's totally anti-democratic. The price of the plate doesn't bother
2: me. I don't mind political parties raising money, and all no, no, question. to is what they do with their policies that bothers me. All I care about is what, what are my taxes and what are my freedoms? Are you Are going to take my freedom away? I'm against you. You're gonna raise my taxes, I'm against you. What goes on <laughs> behind closed doors yeah, I shouldn't even have to care businesses, about.
1: Them. Businesses have an obligation not to spend money that doesn't serve the interest of their business. They have an obligation to their shareholders not to waste money. If they're spending seventy five thousand dollars, they're expecting a return. Well listen, one, one of the reasons for example from those politicians. Yeah, tell that to Eleanor Clitheroe
0: about her, her yacht well, sponsored by Hydro and One. The that that with was that a whole
1: story, you know, is that you look through the whole thing, by the way she's a graduate of Western Law School of seventy eight, I'm so proud. Yeah. But nowhere in the coverage did it say anywhere if she's single that's what I need to know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell you. Yeah, that car allowance ain't that, eh, Jeff? She <laughs> can buy a nice one for you, too. I
1: tell
0: you. Oh, gee. Uh, we, we, uh, we're we talking uh, this morning with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Matz, and we've been talking about lying politicians. And, and uh, we're not uh, talking about anybody in particular. We're not throwing stones at anybody in particular. We're talking about this this sort of acceptance in our society that come election time, they're all going to lie to us. And uh, basically we, uh, which is not the problem. I don't have a problem with them lying. They can lie all they want. But they're not accountable. For, they're never held accountable for the lies. We don't, we, and that includes me, we don't hold them accountable. And we're just trying to get to the well, bottom of why that is. we are the that
2: are accountable. It's a democracy, remember? We keep putting them in there. We keep wanting things. And we keep believing that they can give us something for nothing. And there's the whole, the whole ball game in a nutshell. You think
0: that's how they get elected, by offering us something for nothing?
2: Absolutely. Names? They don't, they don't promise to protect our rights otherwise we wouldn't have things like smoking bylaws in this city people have freedom of association we our city council spends all this time on money on something that is absolutely nobody's business nobody's business
0: i thought it was interesting uh, one of the things speaking of truth in, in politics in uh, in the election in 93 when kim campbell made the comment that an election campaign it's something to this effect an election campaign is no place to discuss Policy. Uh, policy. No, it's too late by then. Well, exactly. But she was exactly, I think she was exactly right. right. And
2: she told the truth, and she paid the price for it. She got
0: pilloried for it. The media (laughs) crucified her for saying that.
2: I say it all the time. I I give it in speeches. I say the time that that you have to lobby is between elections. But
1: how do you, how how does the media pull back from that and do editorials instead saying good on you for telling the truth? Well,
2: they don't. The media is, is, is implicit and I- complicit in the whole thing. I mean, they, they're just basically arms of various political interests and parties. And that's what, all, that's what all the media are, and you have to look at them that way. Once you mm-hmm. look at them that way, they still have an, obje- an objective purpose, you know? Like, I don't not read the Star because it's, quote, left-wing. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the better
1: papers. Fundamentally, again, it's a much better headline to say, Prime Minister screws up than to say prime minister did something good and fortunately we buy papers that have bad news on the headline so you know it comes back to us you know we buy the product yeah. because right. it's salacious or whatever uh i don't know people are so complicated i don't know where to start i'd like to know and
0: i should ask paul burton this how many papers they sell at the newsstands versus how many are delivered home because i don't buy the paper at home because of today's headline it comes anyway whatever the headline is whether it's good bad or indifferent I must yeah. remember to ask him about that. Well, mm-hmm. and the
1: whole impulse purchase thing, you know, what is it, which, which headlines are the ones that sell the most issues? I'd, I'd be very interested in that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and is is the big type, you know. Uh, but unfortunately, there, there's, uh, we crave uh, sort of surprising stories. We crave stories that are, that are dramatic and so on. And usually the bad news ones are those stories. Well, that's basically what news is. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, we're going to go
0: back to our original <laughs> format in the program. We're going to give you uh, 30 seconds for your final thoughts.
1: Okay, well, my final thought is that uh, I think that uh, human beings are complicated creatures and uh, that uh, I think I want to go back and do a degree in psychology to try and figure out what it is that influences us and why PR works so well and why spin works so well. And that even though we do know we're being lied to, we, we don't change it. We don't seem to mind, uh, you know, whether whether it's implicit in leadership that you have to sort of tell the white lies and say we're doing really well even though we know you're not, like the way you encourage a little kid who's trying to learn to skate, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's it's so complicated uh, one day, I uh, hope somebody figures it out. In the meantime, I fear for us. <laughs> and Bob, last word to you.
2: Well, I figured it out for you, Jeff. People are not complicated. They all act in their own self-interest. And what seems to be complex is the fact that each individual has different interests. And therefore, when you try to create a single body to uh, encompass everyone's single or individual interests, it's not a possibility. You can only pick one or two out of the group, and therefore you end up being a power broker and giving that group more rights than the rest of the group. The only way everyone should be, you know, leave it to freedom of choice. I mean, you know, if you want to give to a charity, give to a charity. If you want to support a, a, a hockey arena, support it with your own money, but don't use tax dollars, because that's where all this lying politician stuff gets started. Gentlemen,
0: thank you both for joining us. A very instructive half hour for me, and I'm sure for our listeners, too. Thanks, Jeff.
1: Thanks, Jim. Take care. Thanks, Safe Jeff. trip home
0: again, and thank you, Bob. Uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Summer with us today on Left, Right, and Center.